I'm gonna start the, the podcast for all the for all the podcast people. Um, what did you say about? Uh, wasn't there something that spiked your blood sugar when you were wearing the continuous glucose monitor? Uh, that, oh, yeah, that, that was shocked a caramel you? macchiato. That was a Starbucks caramel macchiato. Spiked my sugars up to about 170, 172. Um, that's, yeah. That's wild. You know, those continuous glucose monitors are so great. Um, I think I wrote prescriptions for three today. Really? And um, yeah, kind of diabetics that need better control of their sugars. I think that may help as much as anything. Um, so I highly recommend them. Well, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, just understanding what, you know, the impact of certain foods, you know, um, might, might make you like them a little less. Uh, I haven't seen you get a caramel macchiato since then. Yeah. You know, ever since I got my own Jura coffee maker, I grind my own <laughs> beans, to just make my coffee. I don't need to go to Starbucks. Uh, it saves me a lot of money, a lot of money. Guys, uh, do what D. Lynn says. Smash the like button. Uh, subscribe to the to the to the YouTube channel. Thank you for that, D. Lynn. Uh, and Katie's agreeing you agreeing with you here on the on the Jura. Uh, totally agree. When I'm at your house, I uh, I definitely take advantage of the of the Jura. Uh, Michelle, what's going on? I see you in the building. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, Kathy, I see your I see your question. That's a great question. We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, we're gonna start with. Um, I like this one. I think this is a great place to start. Um, were you an internal medicine physician before you st decided to start the integrative uh, practice? And, you know, the follow-up is that, and, and does that mean you're still basically internal medicine but practicing uh, integratively? Uh, I'll put this back up. I love this question um, because— That's a good question. No, yeah. I'm not a, an internist. I'm a family practice doctor. You know, that's interesting because a lot of people don't even know the difference, but um, basically they're both three-year residencies. In internal medicine, it's more focused on chronic illnesses. You think more, um, well, I don't know why I think geriatric, but I think more chronic um, medical problems. Um, when fa family docs like me, um, in our residency, we do, we have a broader spectrum of things like we do pediatrics, we do newborns, we deliver babies, uh, we do OB as well as GYN, uh, we do internal medicine, we rotate through general surgery, and uh, so it's probably a broader spectrum. Internal medicine docs are more, they're more zoned in um, and sometimes go on to specialize in things like uh, cardiology, nephrology, um, gastroenterology. Um, but so they're a little bit, they're similar yet different. You know, most internal medicine docs that do office-based medicines do the exact same thing that uh, family docs do, but they don't see kids or um, OBGYN type things. Um, a lot of them do uh, hospitalists and just take care of very ill patients. So that's kind of the difference. But um, yeah, no matter what specialty you're in, you can go on and do an integrative medicine uh, fellowship like I did, which is um, more focused on, you know, preventive medicine, hormones, nutrition, weight loss. A lot of the stuff that you really don't learn in medical school or your residency that, um, you know, I found out um, 
that I was very interested in that um, I think is just a just a great way to practice medicine. So I'd kind of describe myself as kind of a blend between um, traditional uh, medical practice um, and also know some a lot of alternative things while focusing on uh, nutrition and uh, healing. So that, that's a great question. A lot of people don't know the difference between a, a family doc and an internist. And basically that's a difference. Um, you know, they're both great. Uh, I just, it just fit my personality a little bit better to have more of a, a broader spectrum of things where I could treat uh, kids all the way up to, you know, very old people. So um, and, yeah, that's a good question though. And, and kind of, you know, give for the people who don't know, how long were you in a traditional family practice setting? And because uh, I think we did the math today when we started performance medicine, give a little background on that. Um, I did that for the first, um, gosh, probably 18, 19 years. I've been doing integrated medicine um, for, uh, I think on my own for about 16 or going on 17 years. So, you know, I like what I do when you have a job like I do that you absolutely love. It doesn't even feel like work. I mean, you know, the things I do are so cool. A lot of time, like after I, we need to cut this no longer than an hour because I'm headed back down to the office tonight to sew somebody up that's cut that doesn't want to go to the ER. And I'm glad to do it. And that's, it's fun for me. So um, that's the kind of thing that as a family doc, you do a lot more of that kind of thing. And, and uh, so it's, you know, we take care of a lot of, a lot of things. Well, and, and, of things. and one thing I think, you know, is, is interesting. And I think, you know, it'll help a lot of people uh, in here is uh, one of the conferences I went, one of the uh, integrative medicine conferences that I, that I went to with you, um, we were kind of, I, I remember us looking around, I think it was Nashville was years ago. And, uh, and there's just a, a ton of doctors there going to, to all these, you know, uh, classes and talks. And we started, we were just trying to like, you know, talk to people, ask them about their practice. And, and, and the funny thing was none of them were there for like their own practice. They were there for their own health. And, and, and I find that really interesting because, you know, I, I think a, a huge part of the reason, you know, you love uh, the way you practice is that, you know, you're trying to age in a healthy way, too. You know, you're trying to yeah. to, to live, um, you know, uh, or increase that health span, uh, just like everyone in here is. So I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, those conferences are really cool to go to because you get to meet a lot of uh, people. And this is a different group of people. They're They're really high end very intelligent and, you know, they just look, they, they look like they're a fit group of people that are aging really well. And when you go and start talking to them and making conversation, like a lot of them, I'll go say, you know, do you, where's your integrative practice? And they go, no, I'm just here to learn for myself. I'm, I'm a retired plastic surgeon or <laughs> I'm a retired ophthalmologist. I, I just love these things to, to help me learn how to take care of myself and I would, you know, I would, I would still go to them even if I didn't practice. It's yeah. just, you know, it just happens I'm in a good spot to, um, to practice and love what I do. And it's just grown, you know, or have all these offices and it's just fun. It's just fun for me. I'll never retire because I like what I do. 
I love it. I love it. I see uh, Evangelon is in the building. Welcome, welcome, uh, Evangelon. Hope you're well, man. I'm going to put this up here for my man, Matt. And uh, he's asking, where's where's Ike? And uh, I'm going to give just a little, I got to give a, a little bit of a, got to clarify here, guys. We, we put Ike at the end of the show because that's the only way to guarantee everybody stays on the show for the whole hour. So, <laughs> so we're going to, so to answer Matt's question, uh, Ike will come at the end. Uh, that way, I, that way I know, uh, D Lynn stays with us for the hour. Uh, <laughs> he kind of steals the show after Ike comes on. If you Ike know. came on at the beginning, we, they'd all get their taste of Ike and then, then leave, you know? Well, having a dog is a really good thing for you. I was thinking about that today. I think everybody should have a dog. It just makes your life better for some reason. That's cool. Or any kind of animal. You know, it's just people need pets, I think. Uh, let's get to the question. Uh, we got a couple questions here. Uh, shout out to Ike and to, to, to all the dogs out there. We're, we're uh, huge dog lovers. Um, okay, question is, if I forgot a night of my BHRT cring, uh, sorry, if I forget a night of my P BHRT, RT cream, should I use it the next morning in addition to the next night or just pick back up the next night? Super practical question. What's, uh, what's your That's thoughts? That's a great question. No, just go to the next night. You do not need to make up for it. Actually, it's probably good to, when you do hormone creams, it's probably good to do it about six night, nights a week instead of seven. Uh, I tell a lot of people that most people are going to forget one night, so it turns out even, but, you know, just so you don't build up a tolerance, which is hard to do with those anyway, but um, so no, just do it the next night. And don't worry about it. Just, um, you know, you might even want to just skip every Sunday night if you had to forget a night. And so, you know, give it a little one night break. Won't hurt either way, but, um, uh, so it's not a big deal. Love it. Um, all right. This is a, another, uh, supplement question. And, and this is, this is interesting because I know, um, I know there are people out there taking, you know, saffron for, uh, in replacement of, of like, you can take it instead of some depression medications. Um, so, you know, long-term, the, the question is, can I take saffron and ashwagandha long-term? Uh, this came on Instagram. Uh, great question. Yeah, you can, you know, saffron for sure. Saffron's one of my favorite. It's actually a spice, but um, it's so good for everything. I, I hope we you can look at our podcast on saffron. I've just gotten tremendous results out of using saffron. It's kind of almost like using digestion for almost any gut problem. Saffron really has multiple uses for anxiety or depression or even weight loss and cravings. Um, ashwagandha is more of an adrenal adaptogen. I do like it. It's probably the number one adrenal adaptogen in my opinion, meaning that it works for high cortisol or low cortisol. That's what adaptogenic means. Um, a lot of people think you ought to take a break from ashwagandha you know, every once in a while. I haven't found it to be a big problem, but, um, you know, you might want it just so you don't get tolerant to it and see how you feel with it. If you, if you start feeling like um, you're going either one way or the other, like too high or too low in your cortisol, you might want to take a break if you've been on it for a while, you know, and balance it out with one of the other adaptogens like ginseng or uh, maybe L-theanine, um, rhodiola. You know, people respond differently to all those different herbs. 
I think as an adrenal adaptogen, though ashwagandha is my favorite, but it's it's not a bad idea to take a a break from it, you know, after you've been on it for several months, um, just to see how you feel. Um, can you um, can you tell us what like when you say break? Uh, in my head, that's like a week. Um, when you say break, what are you what what do you more like me? I would say a month. Okay. Yeah. So give it for a couple months and then every like quarter or something like that, take a, take a right, month off. Right. Right. And I usually like to, even these herbs, I like to taper off. Like take, when you decide you, you're going to stop it for a while, take it every other day for, you know, a week or two and then, and then stop it for a while. It's not a bad strategy. I like that. Um, listen to your body. Listen to your body. All you're right. the only one that could, could know. Thank you for that question. We got a uh, magnesium question. Um, is it okay to take all magnesium at night, or does it need to be throughout the day? Um, there's some people who dose it at you know two or three times a day for different reasons, but um, most people I tell just to take it at night um, because it, it helps you sleep. Um, it prevents cardiac arrhythmias, which tend to happen more at night in early morning. Um, and it helps work on your digestive system overnight, you know, and again, there's nine different types of magnesium. So uh, a lot of times, uh, the type I recommend will be on the, situ the situation you may have, uh, you know, whether it be citrate or succinate or glycinate, which I like for brain, um, malate for brain, um, so there's a lot of different types, but in general, if you're just going to take it once a day, uh, I would take it at night. Um, and some people, they, they, some people just like to dose it, you know, two or three times a day at a, at a lower dose um, because they just think it relaxes them, which it does. So, so all magnesiums, all forms do have that kind of calming. Uh, yeah. Okay. It does. I didn't know yep. if there was a, there was one, um, cause you've always kind of advised me to take magnesium at night. Um, yeah, yep. I'm with you. All right. So that's going to do it for the questions that came in throughout the week, guys. So we're going to jump into the comments. Um, this is the part of the show where, uh, ask your question to Dr. Rogers, um, you know, any sort of health and wellness question, even if you're patient, non-patient, um, we're happy to uh, to help in any way that we can. So go ahead and start putting the questions in the comment comment section and we will uh, breeze through them. Uh, let's see if I... Uh, I'm seeing a lot of pumpkin spice latte haters, except for Deborah. Um, Deborah likes anything pumpkin. Um, I, can, I, I like that. I like that. All right, I'm trying to see. Oh, here we go. Um, Kathy Ann... Um, Tdap booster for new grandparents necessary or no? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, if you read the literature, you know you should probably have a Tdap booster every ten years, regardless. Um, and th this is actually one of the vaccines that actually works. Um, you know, you're going to be around kids and all. Um, and, you know, especially pertussis is is kind of making a comeback. It gets out there. Tetanus, not so much. Diphtheria, there's some of it around. But it's not a bad idea. I'm not against it at all. I mean, maybe a sore arm, 
but uh, you know, especially if you're a little bit uh, immunocompromised or you have a hard time with getting sick, you know, it's, it may be a consideration. Great question, though. Great question. Oh. Ben, I wish I was a new grandparent. Here I am, almost 68 years old. I don't have any grandkids yet. I mean, what's the matter with me? Uh, you got you got Ike. Maybe it's not me. It's you kids. Yeah, I do have Ike, but, you know, uh, let's get some grandkids rolling around in here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put any pressure on you, but. You know? uh, l let's get to Evangelon's question. Um, is, is there a way to remove aluminum from your blood? Ben, I'd even take a shot if I got some grandkids. I'd be willing to take one. <laughs> I think I'm embarrassing you. Good, good that Kelly and Andy aren't on here. So the question by Evangelon, is there any way to remove aluminum from your blood? Yeah, I mean, you can do uh, chelation. Um, you know, aluminum's a little tougher than some of the other ones. Um, of course, you want to avoid cooking with anything that has aluminum foil or anything on it. Um, but there are some techniques that you can do IV chelation that will help bind up aluminum. Um, but it's, it's not a bad idea because aluminum has been really pretty closely linked to dementia, as you know. And, um, uh, but you know, we, in this state, we can't do IV chelation legally. Um, you can take oral EDTA, which I do, uh, but um, and it's completely safe. But uh, probably the best way is going to be IV chelation therapy. And it's, it, it can be kind of onerous and you be time consuming and expensive, but um, you know, it's probably a good thing. Well, uh, would EDTA be a, a decent alternative? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how great it is for removing aluminum. That's mm. one of the toughies. Um, definitely for mercury and for plaque, I think it's better. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting to, to look at brains and see how much aluminum's in there in, in the dementia patients. Uh, thank Good you question. I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, thank you for that question, Evangeline. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to remind everybody, if you do have a question for Dr. Rogers, this is the live portion of the show. Uh, if anyone's new, this is the Performance Medicine Show. This is where we answer your health and wellness questions, uh, and we're pumped to do it. Um, I'm going to put Mike's question up from uh, YouTube. Um, Dr. Rogers, is there anything you can recommend to slow or reverse primary biliary cholangitis? Biliary. Biliary. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough diagnosis. Um, you know, there are, I've had a couple patients in the last few years that had that. And, you know, they usually are seeing GI docs. And sometimes they, they, they don't have a lot to recommend for it, except, um, you know, kind of watching it. Um, I think I, I love detox so you know if there's anything you can do to, to lessen the pressure on your liver then it's good like milk thistle um sweating infra i think infrared sauna may be the best treatment for that um you know avoiding alcohol avoiding a lot of medications that 
uh, are toxic to your uh, liver. Um, but that, that's a toughie. Those are things I would think about doing is just think about some of the detox protocols. Um, and, you know, taking care of your own immune system uh, and your gut, balancing your gut, um, looking at your gut microbiome, doing everything you can to kind of prevent adding pressure, using digestive enzymes like you, like you see in, um, you know, digest shield, that type of thing. Um, all right, Mike, thank you for, for that question. That's a good one. That's a really good question. Um, let's go to Lisa's question. Um, does cinnamon really help lower blood sugars slash A1C? Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, that and um, chromium picolate works really well. Alpha lipoic acid works really well um, as supplements. Um, and then... Of course, low carb. You know, I'm always pouncing on low carb diets, which I like. Um, and berberine is really good. And then you go on. You can go into the, the mess like uh, metformin. Um, I love this, the semiglutides um, that we talk about. Um, I saw back our patient that we did a podcast with uh, a few months ago. Ben today. She's still down 130 pounds and doing great. That's awesome. Um, still on a very low dose of uh, Ozempic and just doing fantastic. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you can do, and those it certainly help. Uh, all right, Lisa, thank you for uh, that question there. Um, I'm going to put this up here from our esthetician in Knoxville, Jasmine. She's saying uh, she loves berberine. Uh, berberine's definitely uh, a, a very popular one, uh, for that. Thank you, Jasmine, for, for hanging out with us tonight. Um, let's get to Steve's question. Um, is it a good idea for older folks to get a pneumonia vaccine? I was offered one during my annual physical last week, but knew little about the importance of getting it and possible side effects. What do you recommend? Uh, and he's mentioning that his physical was at the VA. Yeah. I mean, that is one of the recommended, uh, the Pneumovax is recommended um, after you're 60, 65 years old. Um, I haven't gotten mine yet, whether I take it or not. I haven't decided yet. But um, so I'm not against it. Um, it protects you against pneumococcal pneumonia, which is one type of pneumonia. Um, and again, it's not an mRNA vaccine or anything like that. It's the old fashioned kind that, that actually works. Um, so I'm not against it at all, especially, you know, if you are a little bit compromised, um, if you have COPD, asthma, uh, any kind of obstructive airway disease um, where you, you know, you wouldn't do well with pneumonia because of pneumonia, it does take a lot of people out, no doubt about that. Um, so I'm not against that vaccine at all. It's you know, it's a good idea to take care of your own immune system, though. Much more important than than that is, um, you know, staying lean, not getting diabetes, not getting heart disease, exercising, um, taking your vitamins. I really, I told one of my patients today that if you take vitamins every day, you just 
don't seem like you get sick very often. You don't come down with those sore throats and those colds like you used to. Um, so I'm big on zinc and C and D with K. Um, I love L-lysine. Um, and you need to eat right. But, yeah, so I'm not against it, Steve. You're not what, what I would call an older folk yet, but, you know, you're about like me. You're getting up there a little bit. Uh, thank you for that, Steve. Uh, thank you for that great question. Um, let's get to, I want to get to Brianna's question because I did see your your uh, your message come through, Brianna. Um, so the question is, is it advisable for women who are breastfeeding or pumping to do the keto diet? And I think it's a phenomenal question. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. No, I just wouldn't do the keto while I'm breastfeeding. I just wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, I think you need some carbs for that. Um, so pregnant or breastfeeding, I wouldn't do the keto diet. Um, I would just use a normal Mediterranean diet for, for those two situations. I just, I just don't think it's good. All right. Thank you for that question, Brianna. Um, and let's see here. I see uh, Miss Tracy. There we go. Uh, Tracy's question is 13 year old female having hair loss. Uh, what's your suggestions? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll certainly check a few things, um, on her. Um, it could be hormonal, of course, going into puberty, but you also have to think about thyroid because if you listen to my podcast today on Hashimoto's, then, you know, it's, it's a really a female disease by seven to one over males and that there's triggers for it. There's hormonal triggers for it. And women are especially vulnerable to this autoimmune disease. The most common autoimmune disease there is the first one we discovered Hashimoto's. So it tends to aggregate around puberty and menopause and pregnancy. So those are when uh, the female hormones kind of can get a little wacky, um, you know, with the balance and all the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So I would definitely um, check the thyroid, including a TPO antibody. I would check an iron level, ferritin, um, and, you know, also stress. Stress can cause hair loss, no doubt. Um, I would probably get the, get the labs and then put her on some biotin um, and kind of see what's going on with her cycles and make sure her iron was, uh, stores were good. She may even need a little iron. Depends on how heavy the periods may be, but uh, great question. Get, get her worked up for sure. And, and when, you, when, when you say iron levels, you mean ferritin levels? The, the... Yeah. 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 Plus a CBC to see if she's anemic um, and see what the indices look like, the differential on the, on the CBC. All right, Tracy, hope that helps. Um, let's get to, uh, let's see, where am I at? Let's get to Mark's question on YouTube. Um, what dosage of Panax ginseng would you suggest for Hashimoto's disease? Man, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure about the, um, the milligrams on that. I'm trying to remember my last, uh, episode with ginseng um you know panax ginseng is usually you think of it as coming from uh 
Korea. And it is, I think, the most potent ginseng out there. Then there's American ginseng, which is also a type of Panax ginseng. Um, the Korean seems a little, little bit more potent as far as um, treating uh, things. It's a little more stimulating, I think, than the American ginseng is. But I'd have to look the dose. I'm not real. I'd hate to say that because different companies that, that make it have different dosage forms. So I, I'd hate to throw out a dose, Martin. You know, be wrong. Um, but a lot of people use it for for Hashimoto's. I think it may tampen down those antibodies. Um, Hashimoto's is so it's so um, complex, and there's so many different factors that affect it, including what you eat. You know, anybody with Hashimoto's probably ought to go on a gluten-free diet uh, and take zinc and selenium. Um, those are the main ones that I really recommend. Um, like there's one one more that I recommended, but those are the three main things I, Co I try to Co do. Co CoQ10 is one is one I do like. It's it's not one of the main ones, but the selenium and zinc are just paramount. Um, but uh, and a gluten free diet, if possible. So so what we'll do, Mark, is I, I'm writing that down. We'll 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 figure out what the what the ginseng dosage is we like, and we'll uh, bring it up on the next show for Hashimoto's. And I see that uh, uh, Mark's asking if uh, will P will PM offer a Panax ginseng in the future? Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll 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 see. There's a there's a possibility. It's a good possibility. <laughs> I know we're going to offer some CBD, our own CBD uh, products pretty soon um and that, they'll be good too I'm, I'm pumped up about that let's get to, to tammy's question uh any suggestions for atypical parkinson's gosh you know parkinson's is such a tough one uh, i talked to a high school friend today that uh, has come down with parkinson's mm. and uh you know it's a toughie it's a real toughie um there's a lot of things that are off the wall that you can try. You know, maybe like low-dose naltrexone uh, may help it. You know, I would search and make sure that um, the diet is so clean um, and that you're doing everything you can to detox, including infrared sauna, which I really like for that. Um, I'm trying to think of any other kind of off the wall treatments. I, um, gosh, they're doing a lot of studies with, um, you know, electric, electric brain, electrical stimulation type things. Uh, I read an article yesterday about that and how it was working for that. Um, but anything that will help kind of settled nerves. I like magnesium mm. in, in Parkinson's. And in that case, I'd probably use magnesium glycinate or malate. Um, gosh, it can take so many different forms. And um, but that's, that's a toughie. I'll do a little more. Uh, that, that's really picked my interest up a lot for that. Um, NAC. I mean, a lot of people do use NAC, like Mark says. Um, vitamin C, um, certainly look at 
you know, all your vitamin levels. You know, you probably ought to do a, a vitamin panel just to make sure that the zinc and the copper and all those things are, are right. Um, I mean, you can't work it up too much. I don't think I need, you need to look at a bunch of stuff. Um, and uh, Mark's even saying methylene blue as well, which we've talked about yeah. recently. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'll put a patient today, both a really bad long hauler on both methylene blue and LDN. And I'm hoping it really hope it helps a lot. I think it will. Uh, well, well, Tammy, hope, hope that helps, uh, expect more content, uh, in the future around Parkinson's. I did, did I do a podcast on Parkinson's a few years ago? We did. And, and what you can do, Tammy, um, is if you go to YouTube and search, um, Tom Rogers or performance medicine, Parkinson's, uh, you'll definitely be able to go straight to that episode. Um, so anybody who wants to learn more about Parkinson's, if you search Parkinson and performance medicine, it'll show our video. Um, and cause we did, we talked about that, uh, either last year or the year before. Uh, so thank you for, for prompting that, uh, Tammy. Um, let's get to, to Jean's question here on YouTube. Um, I understand that glucosamine chondroitin, chondroitin affect blood pressure meds. Does glucosamine sulfate affect blood pressure? I've never seen it's glucosamine chondroitin. And I really haven't found that to be the most effective um, arthritis supplement that there is. I really think it works best if you just take MSM, to be honest with you. Um, and I haven't seen it affect blood pressure adversely. And, you know, when I've told people to take it or, or tried it myself, you know, I, I know there's some reports out there that you may ought to um, take the sulfate instead of the chondroitin, the sulfate form. You know, sulfate's actually good for you. And you can take that even if you're allergic to sulfur. It's different. Um, so, um, but yeah, yeah, I just monitor it. If you think that glucosamine chondroitin is helping you, just, just, and you take a blood pressure medicine, just monitor it and see. Um, I haven't found it to be a real problem. But, um, you know, obviously, if you take any new supplement, you know, it could interact with anything. So just keep an eye and see how you feel, number one, and then watch your blood pressure because a lot of people can't feel their blood pressure going up. So keep an eye on it. Think about using MSM if you're using it for uh, just inflammation of arthritis. Osteoarthritis is what most people use it for. So. All right. Great question there. Thank you for that, Gene. Um, let's see. Let's get to, we'll get Lisa's question on Facebook. Um, is there anything you can do slash take to decrease your uh, creatinine? Is that how you, creatinine yep. level? Uh -huh. uh, yep. My mm -hmm. highest has been 2.0. I range now from 1.3 to 1.5. Uh, I would like to lower it if I could. That's a really good question. I see this all the time in my office. You know, two, two is pretty high. Um, you know, I like to look at your GFR, your glomerular filtration rate, which is a more accurate measurement of your kidney function but the obvious things are drink enough water um, and avoid non-steroidal anti-inflammatories make sure your blood pressure is nice and low and make sure you don't become a diabetic because you know when you're getting up to 2.0 you're you, you know you're headed towards renal failure um, you also have to watch your protein intake if you eat too much protein, it puts a lot of pressure on your kidneys. A lot of people overdo it. Obviously, 
look at your supplements. Do not take any uh, creatine supplement that a lot of uh, bodybuilders do. Um, so that, that's some of the practical things I could tell you to do it, to do with it. Um, but th yeah, that's something you need to really keep an eye on. So hydrate, make sure your blood pressure is great. Look at your medicine list. Um, don't become a diabetic. Um, stay lean. Um, exercise every day. Sweat. You probably be, it'd be helpful to get an infrared sauna as well. Um, so keep an eye on it. Uh, all right, Lisa. Great question. Uh, hope that helps. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to to this. I'm, we have a few images here that that might be helpful um, for you guys. We've talked a lot about the Mediterranean diet. Uh, this is something that uh, we put together within our uh, or we used in the Mediterranean diet. Explain this episode. Uh, Mediterranean diet was mentioned a, a few times today. Uh, so if you guys need any, need us to put that up again, let us know. And again, uh, if you guys have not checked out the, uh, this Hashimoto's episode, uh, of the common sense MD, uh, you're going to want to check that out. It goes over the best test to run, uh, goes over the, the different treatment options available to you. Um, it's a really good rundown and the article is a good thing to kind of go alongside the video, uh, for you. Um, all right, so let's see here. We're going to take a few more questions uh, before we call it uh, a night and get uh, Ike to, to, to say hello to make an appearance. Uh, Gene has another question. Um, can you take MSM if you are allergic to sulfa drugs? Yeah, you can. Take it from me. I am allergic to sulfa drugs, and I can take MSM. Hmm. Um, it's never bothered me. All right, thank you for that. Uh, Gene, and like we, like we said earlier, guys, uh, we do this every single Tuesday night, Tuesday night at seven. We typically go between 40 minutes and an hour. Uh, we answer your health and wellness questions. Uh, we're going to take just a few more here and then, uh, and then we'll get going. Um, okay. D Lynn's asking what milligram of MSM is recommended. Man, I'm gonna have to look, I'm, I'd have to look on my bottle. I'm not sure. I'll get that to you. I'll get that information to you. Uh, I would not be shocked if off the top of my head, I'll have it. I wouldn't be shocked, Elin, if that if we have that information for you um, here shortly. <laughs> um, and then let's go to uh, uh, let's see here. This is a uh, I, I'm gonna. This is a comment from Mark, and I like it because um, I'm super fascinated with Kaidasan. Uh, effect of Kytosan on renal function in patients with chronic renal failure, reductions in urea and creatinine levels in serum were observed after four weeks of Kytosan ingestion. That's that's fascinating. That's super cool. That is really fascinating. Kytosan, um, yeah, I bet I bet Steve would have a lot to say about that as well. But uh, you know, it's a really blocks down gluten really well. It's hard to find though now, isn't it? I mean, it's in, a lot of it comes from China, I think, and it's hard to get a hold of. If I'm not, if I'm thinking right. But uh, anyway, um, uh, there, there we go. I would probably get, uh, we got Katie. Uh oh, there, there he is. There, <laughs> there. He just ran in here. Come here, right. Uh, Katie is saying three capsules at 3000 milligrams of MSM. Okay. Um, I knew we'd get that pretty soon. Good. Uh, thank you for, for that, Katie. Um, let's see. Mark is asking what molecular weight, uh, or sorry, Steve is asking what molecular weight to, to market. So that's, um, just putting that up there for Mark, and I'll make sure um, we get that answer for you, Steve. 
Um, so we got we got we got Ike making an appearance. We're about to 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 call it a, an evening, guys. Uh, we certainly do appreciate y'all hanging out with us. This has been the Performance Medicine Show. We do this every single week at seven. Uh, Tuesdays at seven, we take your questions, uh, and at the end of the show, we bring we bring on the famous uh, Ike right. Rogers, come here. Come here. Uh, so that everybody can get a little dose. Um, it's getting big. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> His paws look like a Clydesdale's. That, um, do they really? Yeah, they're big. His paws are huge. What's he weigh now? He just weighs, I think he weighs 34, 35 pounds now. So look at these, come here. Look at, look at these, look at these feet. I mean, these things are huge. Can you see those? I can. He's not that big a dog. He's supposed to be a mini, but we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look into the camera, Ike. Ike, what's going on? So this is uh, this is uh, uh, mom and dad's uh, dog, uh, Ike. If you guys are new to the channel, <laughs> uh, Ike shows up at the end of every episode. Uh, it makes it fun. Um, <laughs> I was just handed a thing. Look, I did do a, a podcast on the Common Sense MD on Parkinson's. So yeah, you look it up. Look it up by the Common Sense MD. Yeah, you'll do. You That's can do the Common Sense MD. Look that up, or Performance Medicine. Both should show up. Okay. Um, from uh, I may need, I may need to do another one on that. It seems like it's more prevalent. But I'm just seeing more of it. But, um, um, writing that, writing that down. We'll do a, we'll do a Common Sense episode uh, on uh, the Common Sense um, guys. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Uh, on this Tuesday evening, it's a beautiful night, and y'all are hanging uh, here with us. We certainly do appreciate it. Um, if you have not, I, two, I got two asks for you guys uh, tonight. One is, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, please subscribe. Um, you can do that, just Performance Medicine uh, on YouTube. The other thing is we have a, let's see if this is it. Uh, we have a weekly newsletter. Oh, wait, that doesn't work. Um, hold on one second. I'm not able to, to do that. But we have a weekly newsletter. It goes out every single Tuesday. It's a curation of all of our content that goes out through the week. It's called Performance Weekly. That goes out around 1230 on Tuesdays. Uh, so sign up if you haven't. It's, um, it's everything in your inbox once a week. Uh, so anyways, that's, that's all he asked for the night. Uh, Dad, man, this has been fun. It's been fun. Thanks, Ben. Guys, thank you all for, <laughs> for, for hanging out. All right. Good night. All right, we're gonna we're gonna let we're gonna let them go. I know you guys got stuff to do, guys. Thank y'all so much. We love you, uh, Stephanie, Katie, in the in the comments. Thank y'all so much for for helping out, Katie. Thank you for getting that information for us. Uh, we certainly do appreciate y'all. Um, all right, we're gonna call it an evening. We love you. This has been the Performance Medicine Show. As always, we'll be back next time Tuesdays at seven. Dad, I'll see you later, man. Okay, see you, man. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.